You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And I would say bringing you today's episode is Draft, but I'm a little bit mad at Draft right now because my money has been taken. Uh, we did two leagues, <laughs> uh, filled them both up, which is awesome. Like, Thank you, everyone, for wanting to come take my money. But People took my money and then told me about it on Twitter today, and it made me sad, but also kind of proud that those are the listeners that we have, that they want to get in here and talk some smack, which is totally cool, which <laughs> is which is something I think speaks to our listener base, that that would be the type of person that would want to come take my money and then tell me about it. So I'm, I'm proud of everyone. Just know that it won't happen again. You can try again next Wednesday, but it won't happen again. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was one of the people that took your money, Eric. I know. Not, I didn't I didn't win, but I, I at least finished second last night. So um <clears throat> and my, my strategy of picking players I don't like uh finally <laughs> paid off. Um led uh, Kyrie was was kind of principal among that, but um I always try to pick guys who I'm bitter when they are good, uh because I don't <laughs> like them. And so um so yeah, that involves me picking a lot of Philly guys and Kyrie mm. and uh at least I want some money for it. So I, I, you know, I got at least something for those guys being good, which, which I don't enjoy. Uh, and tonight I enjoyed watching the Lakers beat the Sixers in Philly. That was fun. Yeah. I feel like that, that game alternated between absolutely ragged and really fun. Like there was no in between, like there was just stretches where it was straight up awful and I did not want to watch it. And then, parts where I could not get enough of it. So it ultimately was fun. Um, I don't know if I learned anything from it other than young players are young players until they become the players that they are. Are You know what I mean? Like there, There's just so many things going into the season that I think you think about with Julius Randle, with Brandon Ingram, uh, with Lonzo Ball, certainly on the Lakers, but also, I guess, on the Sixers to an extent. Like, Rashawn Holmes was just kind of like a person, and now he looked kind of useful tonight. Uh, so I don't know. I, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it, and it was weird. I, I don't often spend my nights getting to watch other NBA games because we're normally doing stuff uh, with lockdown or uh, something like that. And I'll normally try to league pass games during the day. Uh, but it was nice to watch a game live and kind of like get to like live tweet a game with other people that wasn't a Bucks game. Cause I rarely do that. Yeah. And, and this was a fun one just cause obviously two young teams with, with interesting young talent and obviously the Sixers are a team that, you know, I like to watch in particular because this is a team that long-term obviously I'd say is 
I mean, I would say is ahead of the Bucks as long as Embiid and Simmons stay healthy, just in terms of of having those two guys that, you know, again, maybe are not at Giannis's level in terms of like kind of long term value just because of, you know, injury concerns with Embiid and, and Simmons at this point. Obviously, there's still, you know, some questions. I mean, he's a rookie. He's been terrific this year. Um, I, I'm I'm sure the Sixers feel phenomenal about that pairing moving forward. But um, but yeah, I think it, it does kind of, I think, create an interesting sort of lens to, to look through the Bucks' future as well um, in terms of, you know, these teams that are going to be around long-term. And we saw the Boston Celtics, who are already really, really good um, and have, you know, a fair bit of young talent in addition to some established guys in, in Kyrie, who's going to be in his prime for a while yet, and, and Al Horford, who maybe is going to decline at, at probably at some point he's going to get a little bit worse but um but yeah interesting to kind of you know see we, we don't have philly coming up um when when is the next sixers bucks game it's is it not for a while um, i think it's a pretty good long while I'm yeah to... oh january january 20th um bucks play in philly yeah, so that's bucks a... play that's a long time yeah bucks bucks play in philly january 20th sixers come to milwaukee january 29th and then uh they host the Sixers again on March 4th, and then late in the season, April 11th, they uh, they play their final game in Philly. So, man, so that, it will be a while, especially if the if the Sixers are able to kind of keep everything going, if the Bucks are able to keep everything going. Like those are those are going to be intense games for the like not yeah for the second half of the season. Obviously, that January one won't be, but man, that that could be pretty pretty pretty. Pretty fun. Uh, so we will see what happens there. Um, all right. Two topics we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, tonight. One was Thon Maker, right? And then the other one was Bucks Playmaking. And then we have the Mavs to preview a little bit. Um, you were uh, a little bit more passionate about Thon. Uh, what are your general thoughts on Thon? Because when I watch him play right now, I think I asked this in a very high-pitched voice maybe a month ago, but I find myself asking the same question. Is Thon an NBA player? Uh, well, I mean, this is... It's tough. I mean, I was looking at his numbers today, and, you know, last year he was surprisingly productive for, a, you know, a rookie, certainly a guy who had not played at, you know, anything beyond a high school level. I think what he showed um, first in kind of these are really random... Uh, you know, segments of time on the court. And then uh, obviously he got into the starting five, not that he was playing big minutes as the season wore on, but we got to see some of his, you know, defensive tools and we got to see obviously his shooting and skill level, which again, though he's still very, was very unrefined offensively. I think we at least saw more uh, on that side of the ball than, than certainly we have seen this year. And obviously in the playoffs, I mean, he was not, he, he struggled scoring in the playoff, but um, you know, defensively, his energy uh, against the Raptors. He had a number of games where you know we saw the, the the movement and the ability to track you know Kyle Lowry, and it's like we all got kind of drunk on some of those plays. Did I we think. get and, playoff Henson? Yeah, a little bit, maybe a little bit. I think Henson was you know all around better in the year when he played well against the Bulls. But um, you know, Thon was obviously also much more inexperienced last year than than Henson was. But you know, you look at it this year, and and you know, Thon across the board. I mean, just look at his numbers. You know, his PER last year fourteen. This year. 7.7 his true shooting percentage last year 56 percent very respectable for a guy who obviously struggled sort of inside as a big guy and was more of a perimeter player that's really good um this year 46.2 percent defensive rebounding pretty much flat wasn't good last year isn't good this year 15.1 percent 15.2 last year um his offensive rebound is falling offensive rebounding has fallen off total rebound rate i mean he basically rebounds like 
a small forward at this point in terms of his rebound rate and his usage rate has fallen further. His turnover rate is higher. You know, you kind of, you get the drift basically. Um, so it, it's just tough. And I mean, the one thing he's done at a higher level this year, like the one place where he's shot the ball better has been on long twos. He's shooting 56% on long twos, which is, you know, the bright side is okay. At least he's still showing touch. Um, he's taking more than double as many shots from that range. 19% of his shots are long twos versus 8% last year. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is him shooting 56% on twos is basically, basically that's like unsustainable. And he has to keep shooting at that unsustainable rate just to basically be essentially giving you the same value as he did last year on threes. Cause last year he was at 37.8%, which is basically in an effective field goal percentage manner. You know, you multiply that by 1.5. It's basically about 56% on twos. So he's kind of like flip flopped um, in terms of value there. But you know, here's the problem. It's like, I, I mean, I think Thon hopefully could shoot 38% from three over the long term. I don't think he's going to shoot 56% on long twos because nobody does that. And obviously the concern is he's shooting 29% on threes this year. And, you know, he's gone away from shooting threes for the most part, you know, to a significant sense of late as his confidence has fallen. So it's just tough. And he's he's not finishing well, 52% at the rim this year, 64% last year. Um and again, it's just like the development, like where, you know, th- this is always the concern, right? And and I don't want to get into like a, a Thon maker, you know, age debate again. But, um, you know, again, wh- whatever age he was last year, the question was never so much like what is his age now versus, you know, what it was or whatever. The question is, is he going to mature physically and on in a basketball sense, right? And mm-hmm. the younger you are, the more likely it is that you're going to get stronger get more, you know, more coordinated, do, do whatever. Right. And I think the concern is that, you know, if, if this is what he is, regardless of what his age is, if he's 20 or 24 or, you know, 53, um, if he's not going to get demonstrably stronger to the point where he can, you know, get defensive rebounds where he can finish through contact or even, you know, I mean, finish through contact. I mean, that's like a high bar, right? I mean, he's not anywhere close to being able to do that right now. If he's not going to physically develop there or, improve just like his skill level because he just doesn't look like he's comfortable doing anything but shooting a basketball offensively um then he's not going to be a a good nba player right i mean he he has to show some skill development there and um i think that's the concern and we've talked about you know how i think i think we both viewed him more as a high floor guy than a high upside guy um but the concern is right now he's he's not even at a high floor and, you know, when he's out there, it's just extremely inconsistent um, in terms of being in the right place and, you know, being able to kind of leverage some of those tools. And, you know, if he's not kind of stretching the floor, knocking down jump shots, um, you know, offensively, he just hasn't really shown ability to do anything else. He doesn't roll to the rim. He doesn't catch alley-oops. He, you know, his hands are not good. <laughs> I mean, I that's one of the things probably that, that you know, aside from the lack of strength is probably my biggest concern is just, he just doesn't catch the ball. Right. Yeah. And I think that affects him as a defensive rebounder as well as a finisher. Um, and so, so it's, it's tough, but you know, the, the flip side of this, and, I'm, and I feel like I'm being really negative here. Um, you know, the flip side of it is we're still in a very small sample, obviously for him in terms of minutes, he has not even played a thousand minutes in the NBA yet. Right. Um, so in terms of getting reps, we're still at the kind of beginning part of that curve. Um, and, you know, certainly the work ethic, all that stuff, you know, people talk about all that's there, the character's there. You know, I don't doubt that he's going to get to wherever 
he was going to get to, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not worried that, like, we'll look back and say, oh, Thon Maker, if only he had tried hard or if only he'd had a good head on his shoulders. You know, like, I'm not worried about that at all. I'm not worried about the character one bit. Um, but it, again, if if he doesn't, you know, start to show really you know, clear improvement over the, and let's not even say like, oh, it has to happen over the next month. I mean, it's, you know, it, this is still a long-term question, right? He still has two years after this left on his rookie deal. But if we don't see over the next, say, you know, rest of this season, if we don't see it next year, if we don't see really tangible improvement, then, you know, I mean, right now he's not a guy that, you know, you'd want to have in your regular rotation getting 20 minutes per game. Right now it's more of a, well, he's the only one of two centers on the roster. And um, obviously John Henson has lost his job to pretty much everybody he's played with, including last year, Thon maker to a large extent. And this, this year, Thon maker is seemingly the first center that hasn't been able to beat out John Henson for minutes. So, um, so anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you a little bit. I don't, I don't know where you want to start with that, but I think it's just, you know, I, I worried before the season, I mentioned this about both Thon and Malcolm Brogdon. We, we talked about it. Like, it's very possible. We said it's possible that their value as an NBA asset peaked last summer because they were still, you know, on cheap contracts for a few more years. They were still young. We didn't know what they were going to be. And they'd shown promise as young players. And if they don't, if you don't keep them, if you don't continue to improve, then your value begins to decline. And certainly Malcolm, I think has at least kind of continued to show some progression as a player, which has been a big positive. And he's obviously been a really important piece for the Bucs, um, whereas Thon has not. And certainly right now, um, you know, I don't I don't even know what Thon Maker is worth as an asset. Not that the Bucks should be going out and, you know, trying to dump him at, at the first sign of anybody being interested. But um, certainly, you know, if last summer I felt like, man, I really want to hang on to Thon because he can be, you know, this great fit with Giannis. Um, at this point, I'm kind of thinking like, well, I mean, and it's uh, DeAndre Jordan is not the guy I'm thinking of making making a trade for. <laughs> but you know, if if some deal were out there where you could add a really valuable piece, um, certainly Thon Maker is is far from an untouchable at this point. Yeah, um, man, you gave me a lot to chew on there. Uh, let's start with, I guess, with Thon. You mentioned the minutes and the reps and the and just kind of the idea that we're still very, uh, still very early, kind of on that curve. And it's just kind of crazy to think about. So Giannis is a guy that people always like to compare him to, and that's silly, and it should never uh. be done. Um, but when you look at Giannis's rookie year, he played 1,897 minutes, so almost 1,900 minutes in his rookie year. There's a chance that Thon... Does he get that this year? He played 562 last year. He's at 429 right now. He probably gets to what Giannis had in year one after two seasons. So, like, from a rep standpoint, like, there's just no way you can accumulate those same amount of reps as Giannis did early in his career. So, when you talk about the, the year by year by year by year improvement for Giannis, you're looking at a guy that played 1,900 minutes his rookie year, 2,500 minutes his second year, 2,800 his third, and 2,800 last year. Like, that, that's a huge minutes load, and the, that's a huge number of reps. And on top of all of that, he, he wasn't on a playoff team his rookie year. He was on a garbage team his rookie year. And that meant getting some more of those developmental reps that, that Thon, frankly, just isn't going to get on this team. Not that, again, 
neither of us really see him as this high ceiling this guy could be anything type of prospect, but at the same time, like we are, we are not KG. We, we are not drinking KG's in, you know, insanity juice or whatever he, yeah, he takes. Th- there is no future MVP in Don Maker. Um, but even if that was the case, even just thinking of that lower floor, just the fact that he doesn't get as many reps, like you think about the things that he's able to do in a game right now, and it is catch and shoot long jumpers maybe being involved in some pick and rolls where he does roll the, to the rim. Rarely does he get those. Like, rarely does he get the pass there. And then defensively, he, like, runs around. Uh, so <laughs> you're just you're just looking at, like, there, there's not a ton of meaningful reps in there, and there's not going to be more meaningful reps as he develops because he's going to be a bit player on this team. He's not going to be the guy going forward. So I think that also kind of makes the the ability to see vast or, or to have kind of vast improvement, I think that takes away some of that ability because he just simply isn't going to get the type of developmental reps that are meaningful and can actually really help you. So he's going to have to try to find some of those in practice and it's just going to take a little bit longer. So I think that's one thing that I kind of start to think about. Uh, I mentioned being playoff hensoned by Thon <laughs> and why I say that is if you think back to the playoffs that got John Henson that contract, it was against the Bulls and it was against a uh, hobbled Pau Gasol and it was against a uh, hobbled Joakim Noah and was Tosh Gibson also kind of hurt I'm trying to think back I can't remember if it was all three if it was just two but it was a matchup where Henson was going to be able to find a way to impact games like the matchups were good enough those guys were not healthy enough that bringing the energy and effort sustained over those six games was going to equal production. It was going to equal in, I don't want to say, I guess an impressive performance from John Henson. Like, he had some very good games in there. And we didn't see Thon impact games to that same extent, but you think back to game six and Thon has five blocks. You think back to uh, in Toronto the couple of times, uh, the vine that just will never die of him keeping up with Kyle Lowry and being able to do all that. With that Raptors team, we saw again and again throughout that series, they could just not help themselves from falling into the trap that the Bucks wanted to set. Like the you, Everyone knows what the Bucks' aggressive scheme is about. It's about blitzing. It's about trapping. It's about doing all of those things. And every single time, the Raptors thought they were going to be able to grab that cheese before the trap snapped on them. And every single time... It didn't. Largely, it didn't in that series. And that was why the Bucks were able to stick around, because the Raptors would just not learn their lesson. And if that's the case with Thon, he wasn't having... He didn't need to make a bunch of reads. He just needed to go out there and say, okay, if I see Lowry, if I see DeRozan, I'm going to follow Serge Ibaka, I'm going to follow Jonas Valanciunas, I'm going to follow whoever it is, whatever big is going up there, and I'm going to trap the hell out of that guard, and then I'm going to run around... Like, my hair's on fire after it, trying to catch up and trying to kind of figure out exactly where I should be. And that works really well against the Raptors because as we've we've seen, what, for now five years with this Raptors team? Three years? Four years? 
they struggle to make adjustments in the playoffs. That That's not something that they really do all that well. They're going to play basketball the way that they play basketball, and I think part of that leads to Thon, at least partially, playoff hensoning us uh, in that you're a little bit fooled by a good performance against a team that is very much, I don't want to say specifically tailored, but certainly a team that he could find success against. And I think you see some of that as well. So um, those are two major things that I think about. And then finally, Thon should be shooting threes. Yep. That, that is exactly what he should be doing. With that being said, if he is not confident enough to shoot threes, I'm fine with him shooting long twos for two weeks, <laughs> three weeks, whatever it is until yeah. he needs to get his confidence back. I would assume 55% from those long twos would do that because that's an elite percentage. Uh, and when I look at those numbers, I, I should really look up the splits on those, but I would assume a, a number of those uh, that are accounting for that 55% came in the last three weeks, and I would assume a, a number of the three-point attempts that account for that 29% came in the previous couple of weeks. So I think you'd probably see a pretty distinct split between uh, long twos and threes. I think Thon has shot enough long twos at this point that you can move him back out. And again, maybe he maybe he hasn't. And again, you want your player to be totally comfortable. You want him to have confidence, especially someone that is young. You want him to be able to feel like there's one thing that he feels confident being able to do on the floor. I don't love that it's the long two right now and hope desperately that it can become a three again but until he feels comfortable fine stay with the long two but that needs to be a three for you to be useful at some point in your nba career yeah and and i mean just to tell you i mean just show how how small of a sample we're still talking about i mean he's 10 out of 35 from three-point range he's 10 out of 18 from long two right so um the the samples i mean we talked about it, that he hasn't played a ton of minutes this year obviously it's early in the season and certainly he doesn't shoot much so you know any of his shooting numbers are going to be pretty pretty low low sample wise and i think that's the thing too i mean i, I just want to see more games like i mean the game he had in phoenix up until that bad foul late in the game um you know he actually rebounded i think he blocked a shot or two uh, he was hitting jump shots, and I think he finished inside a couple times. You know, just like flashes of that, right? Like he's playing enough that you would hope that he would have games once every week or two where you think, oh, okay, yeah, he he's good. There's something there, right? He's not just some like dude that you signed out of the G League, right? Like symbols of like, oh yeah, this is a guy who was a lottery pick who was considered, you know, a really great high school player with actual like, you know, some some tools offensively. Um, so, I mean, I think that's what I, it's not even so much that I need to see like consistent. I need to see 10 points every night. Like, no, I don't. I get it. I know we're not going to see that. And, you know, I think Jason Kidd is clear. They don't expect him to do that. And I think that's a positive in the sense of he doesn't have to step out of his comfort out of his comfort zone. Um, but I also want him to probably try to stretch himself a little bit at times and yep. you know last year we saw it kind of late in the season like there were times where yeah he'd you know catch the ball at the free throw line and take one dribble and try to get you know a shot up and, and he actually made one of one of those every now and again and this year it's just like there's not even confidence to even try that and so again you know being able to um you know uh, i don't know if there's ever an, a closeout to attack um something where you know he can use some of those physical tools because well you know i think his athleticism is not nearly as functional as like we'd like it to be like, again, like the 37 inch vertical. I mean, 
what game was it where he like caught it right under the basket on a roll and just went up and couldn't dunk it and like bricked it off the back rim. Like I forget who that was against him last week or so. Um, you know, he still struggles to have explosiveness cause he doesn't have that core strength, um, to, to really finish around the rim and, you know, unless he's got some, some momentum going. So, um, but, but yeah, let's just see, I just want to see something from him like once in a while, like, you know, like give me those flashes, of of having that that sort of more diverse skill set flashes of being able to get shots off and have the confidence to knock down threes that's really what i want to see because ultimately again i mean thon does not have to be an all-star like he does not need to be the like you know hyperbolic kg like delusional stuff about being an mvp candidate he doesn't need to be that he needs to be able to hit open threes stretch the floor, you know, make teams respect him out there. He needs to be able to move defensively, make good reads, and he just needs to be able to fight enough to, you know, keep the Bucks as a team respectable on the defensive boards. I mean, really, that's <laughs> that's what he has to do. And and that's not, you know, the, all those things are, are within his existing skill set in many ways, I think. I think he does need to get stronger to get better at those things and do it in a ways that, you know, can be more consistent. But um, but I think that's the silver lining in all this is that, you know, again, the fit, his his fundamental skill set, which isn't totally out of reach, like we're not saying, oh, you have to become a dominant post player. No, screw it. You don't have to be a post player no. ever. But just do some of those things. I mean, if you can put up 10 points and seven boards a night and 25 minutes a game and block a shot or two and move yourself defensively, I mean, you can be a guy who is closing games at the highest levels of the NBA because, again, your tools are going to allow you to play in, in games where a lot of centers, they're just not going to be able to play anymore. <laughs> I, I can't remember who I said this to the other day, but I said even – I always talk about platonic ideals. Um, I said even a, the platonic ideal of a shitty-thon is a, is a very useful basketball player. Like if none of those other skills, like you said, nothing else happens other than – being able to defend and hit threes. Nothing else develops, and not even like catching passes, being able to roll, being able to dunk, any of that stuff. Like, if literally he could just be a 36% three point shooter on high enough volume that it matters and defend on the other end. I'll take it. That's useful. That is yeah. extremely useful with the way that Giannis can cover for those specific deficiencies like Giannis can score enough points in the paint and can be the role man on those where you can just be a pick and pop guy you can just stand around the three-point line like that can be fine you can be useful with Giannis Dedekumbo like that is totally fine and that is again literally all we need and again I know for some people that might be an adjustment for the way that they think about Thon because they hear the stuff from KG and they just hear the silly ways that people have talked about Thon. Um, I know that's an adjustment, but just thinking of it that way, I feel like makes makes me more hopeful from what has been a somewhat disappointing start for Thon in that, uh, as you said, like show me something. As I as I think about Thon this year, I'm trying to think of the thing that I feel he has improved most, or really the thing that where he's improved. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I was hoping maybe it was going to be strength. We're not seeing that. Um, maybe some of the the functional athleticism. We haven't really seen that. Consistent three point shooting has gone down a little bit. Defense, I think, has gone down a little bit. He seems to be lost more often this year. Like, 
there's just nothing there that you can point to and say like that is how Thon has improved and I would like to see more of that yeah and certainly you know the Bucks um the the issues that the Bucks have had defensively obviously um you know Thon has not been necessarily part of the solution but he also you know it's hard right if if things have been bouncing around and if you know, tactics have been changing, things like that. That's obviously harder for a younger player in particular to have to manage, yeah. especially because so much of the change or so much of the leverage in these situations is coming from the center position. When you think about defensively, you know, like with the, yeah. the, the, the biggest variable in how you defend a pick and roll from sort of positional standpoint is like what you do with your center, right? Because everybody else you can just say switch, right? Giannis can switch. <laughs> yep. Everybody else can switch. Not that the Bucks always do that, but you know they've they've gotten a lot better over the past couple of years at that. But um, but the the version of of the, what you're doing with your center that's usually the biggest variable. And obviously, we've seen the Bucks try some different things. Um, and again, I'm not sure if Thon's really figured out any of them that well. Um, yeah. But obviously, you just hope that that again he can. He can start to show some improvement, start to show some flashes, because, again, the, the bar is not, you know, be an MVP this year or next year or whatever. The bar is, you know, fit in and play a role. And, um, you know, there, there's not there's not a ton of pressure in that sense. Um, and, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if part of the issue also is going to the bench. Um, you know, again, he did play. Obviously, he started the season as a starter uh, before getting moved to the bench. Um, you know, again, I don't know, especially for a guy like him who's obviously a role player and relies on, you know, probably is, needs to be around better players to really be unlocked fully. Yep. Um, that that might certainly be an issue um, because, again, it seems like, you know, I think playing him out there with, with Giannis makes a lot of sense just because he benefits a lot more from Giannis's gravity, which you wrote about in an article in a post today with some really nice video cuts and things like that. So check that out on ESPN Milwaukee. Um, but in terms of like for a guy like Thon, like the fact that he's out there more with, um, you know, Deandre Liggins and that ain't helping you know, that, that ain't helping. Right. Like, I mean, his, his splits, I mean, he shot 33% from three as a starter. He's down to 24% um, as, as a reserve. It's true shooting from 50% to 43%. So certainly um, his numbers have, have been worse from an efficiency standpoint since going to the bench. But, you know, again, it's like, hey, that's the reality. We talked about it with Rashad Vaughn. You know, you, you can't just as a young player expect that, you know, you're only going to be put in the perfect position to succeed all the time. So, um, again, it's it's we know it's going to be a process with Vaughn, but it would just I think we'd all feel a little bit better if we started to see forward progress instead of kind of what we've seen so far this year. I would agree. Um, I've decided that we're going to push playmaking to next week because uh, we've already been talking for a while, which I think Thon tends to make us do. Uh, so let's go to previewing the games this weekend on Friday and Saturday, a back-to-back for the Bucks. Luckily, it's a back-to-back at home, no travel involved. Uh, which is weird. And we'd set, what's the second time this season, right? Yeah, no, it's it's strange. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time. I don't know. I'm bad at trying to think of schedules from the past. Um, but yeah, there's and the, this December is full of back to backs. Like there's a Dallas Utah back to back here, uh, then uh, Chicago at 
at home against Chicago and then at Houston next weekend, back-to-back, Friday-Saturday. Then there's a Friday-Saturday back-to-back the next week, but it's a home-away back-to-back with the Hornets. So they'll trap... I think they're going to take the same plane. I'm just kidding. They're not going to take the same plane. But those two teams are going together uh, and making that trip. And then you end the month with uh, Thursday, December 28th versus Minnesota, and then Friday, December 29th against Oklahoma City. So uh, the Bucks are going to get their share of back-to-backs. I mean, that's eight of – I don't even know how many games they have total in this month. Probably eight of 13 are back-to-backs. Uh, so uh, it's kind of a – strange part of the schedule um but if you have that many back-to-backs in a 31 day month well then that means there's gonna be some rest days in there so the bucks have to kind of take advantage of those uh yeah and i was gonna say the the rockets game um in in houston a week from saturday i will be there um i will bring a no frank i will i will bring a rolled up newspaper um and if Giannis is denied any blocks assists rebounds um, I will uh, I will sacrifice myself for the cause. I will storm the scorekeeper's table <laughs> and uh, proceed to pummel the scorekeeper with a rolled up newspaper. That's good. Um, just if you see a guy yelling, he had a block at the 401 mark of the second quarter on Eric Gordon. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be me. Um, so uh, so so hopefully that 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 doesn't come to that. But um, the Spurs and Rockets play in Houston the night before. So we we've heard about this, you know, the season that um, the league was trying to at least match up teams uh, when they were on both on back to backs. So that, you know, yeah, fewer rest advantages. So, um, you know, the Bucks will obviously hope that the Spurs take the Rockets to uh, to quintuple overtime uh, on Friday and wear them <laughs> out. Um, and then on Saturday, the Bucks will come in and both teams will be on on short rest. But um, but yeah, so so we'll see. I'm I am very nervous about that game. Uh the Rockets are an interesting team just because they play, they often play extremely small, um, but they play fast and they obviously are just incredible offensively. So, uh, and they've been terrific uh, in general and especially since Chris Paul came back. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get a full scouting report from my wife. Uh, she's right now. She's watching the Rockets game downstairs while we record this. So um, we'll we'll get a scouting report. Did you know she's a Rockets fan? Because she is. I've heard that. Um, yeah. All right. So Bucks uh, this weekend, Dallas and Utah. Two teams that have made them look the worst this season. Has yes, anyone made them the worst? Has anyone made them look worse than those two teams? Maybe the Pistons in one of those games could hop over the Jazz, but I think those are probably two of the games that Bucks fans will have the most nightmares about. Uh, so. I guess, what are you thinking about going into this weekend? Obviously, those are two teams that really pillaged the the Bucks at the three-point line and did everything that they could to stretch out the scheme as far as they could. And, yeah, they, they took advantage the first time around. Are you expecting more of the same? Are you expecting uh, the defensive scheme to be a little bit better, different? Um, where's your head at? Because uh, I, on a nightly basis at this point, I'm the human form of the shruggy emoji and just like... <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know what defense they're going to come out in. I don't know how aggressive they're going to be. I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, let's say this. I desperately, desperately need the Bucks to win the game on Friday against the against the Dallas Mavericks just because I'm. I don't know. I I just feel like Utah, the way Quinn Snyder just embarrasses the Bucks every game time they play. It seems with his game yeah. plans. Um, you know, we've seen it uh, too often that that the Bucs just don't seem to, you know, 
I don't know. They just it's like a little big brother, little brother thing. Like it's just they just they can't figure out how to play the jazz and the jazz. Or a, a crazy brother, normal brother kind of thing. Yeah. With the way that Quinn Snyder looks on the side. Yeah, yeah, he looks. Yeah, he looks like a guy who who's like going through some shit. Um, but uh, he looks like he, a guy that saw that you had a basketball shirt on at a rest stop on just on the highway, and it was just like, oh, I got some great ideas about basketball. Let me tell you all about them. Like that's what he looks like. He looks kind of like um, uh, oh, what what what's what's the actor's name? Uh, the guy who played the T one thousand in Terminator Two, uh, Robert Patrick, I think his name was. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, he's like kind of him with like a you know like the little flow haircut yeah, sort of yeah. just like you know like just he's just gonna come sprinting after you with <laughs> arms that turn into claws and yes. then create three-point looks for his teammates or something um <laughs> but uh but yeah I'm, I'm very nervous about that game and you know unfortunately i mean the bucks saw you know the bucks saw what uh what what the mavericks were capable of and um dallas has been surprisingly solid of late um, you know, unfortunately they, they started horribly and then they've, they've gotten their kind of act together a, a bit, um, of late. So, uh, you know, they, they've lost a couple games to the Celtics, not, not big or anything like that, but they blew out the map, the nuggets, excuse me, uh, on Monday, they blew out the Clippers on Saturday. Um, they had a loss against the Mavericks, uh, before that, but they've had some really impressive wins. I mean, they beat the Thunder by 16 points. So, um, this is a team that certainly is playing much better than, than they have. I, I don't know if the, the Bucks win was somehow some kind of galvanizing event. Uh, I saw some stuff about Josh Powell is like the bizarro plus minus net rating king of the 2017 18 season, which okay. I'm sure will get lots of people to say like, you yeah, know, plus minus is a terrible stat. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, somehow this, this team, I, I shouldn't say somehow. Cause I mean, you look at the roster. I mean, they have some talented players. They're not just like a bunch of kids running around. Obviously Dennis Smith is young, but you know, they have some guys who, who know how to play a bit with, with Wes Matthews and you know, the, some of these like KG vets, like the Bereas of the world. I mean, these guys aren't bad players, right? They, especially it seems like when they play the box. So um, I, I would really love to win that game. I'm going to be very curious. We talked about the other night about how the Bucks you know, lineup wise defend the Mavericks, especially when they go small with Dirk at center. Do they still Giannis, inex- Giannis, Giannis, Giannis center? Exactly. Come on. Um, so, so anyway, I'm, I'm, that game has me more nervous probably because I'm already, I'm, I'm already making a reservation, uh, at an, in an Arby's bathroom <laughs> to, uh, just get some roast beef sandwiches and just like cry. Can you reserve a, those or a, do you just need to get the you key? Just, you just gotta make well, sure you, you have just, the key. Yeah. You just, you just, you just get the key. You know, it's usually like attached to like a big old piece of like wood or something <laughs> so you don't lose it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to be in a bad place. Uh, on Saturday night, um, I, I hope the Bucks can 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 prove me wrong. But certainly, the the recent history with the uh, Utah Jazz has not been great. So um, hopefully, I will not be weeping loudly while eating roast beef sandwiches uh, in an Arby's somewhere on Saturday night. Uh, and if they lose on Friday, the odds of that are seem to be much higher. So so yeah, I, I mean, mean it's one of the things where I, I think yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna be curious if they're gonna be. I'd have to check 5:38 if like the models have them as being projected. Certainly, they'll be favored um on friday I'll, I'll look this up in a second here but um i'm curious to sort of like you know to, to win both those games probably not a super high probability they're 74 percent likely to beat the mavericks on friday 
And then they're only a 51% favorite on Sunday or sorry, on Saturday. So um, again, the odds of, you know, multiply those two together odds of winning both games are you know, under 40%, at least according to the models. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you could somehow pull out two wins, you'd be over the moon, regardless of how you win. Um, you know, you can foul up four as much as you want. Uh, if you win both of those games, I'll, I, I promise I won't say a word. Uh, but uh, certainly a couple of games here at home where, I mean, we talked about it before the season, right? Like the Bucks have not really differentiated themselves at home. They've oh. been 23 and 18 the last three seasons. Um, th- this is one of those things. Good teams win home games. It's good for morale. It's good for the fan base. Um, you know, so far they're seven and four. So, you know, it's, it's better. But uh, again, you know, if you're just going to kind of trade wins and losses here this weekend, it, that that isn't something necessarily you're going to feel great about. So, um I enter the weekend with, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say optimism, but it's not even really optimism. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see with Utah. We didn't see Rudy Gobert. He was hurt last time these two teams met. That that might have, you know, ultimately helped the Jazz in some ways just because uh, Utah was able to go smaller and probably spread the floor more than they would if they played their two big guys at the same time. Um, so, again, I'm not going to act like having Rudy Gobert actually makes you worse because <laughs> certainly it doesn't, but um, maybe, maybe that at least cuts down a little bit on some of the, you know, uh, beautiful passing and ball movement that, that certainly tore the bucks up last time. Yeah. And uh, just looking at these two, t- two teams, I think it's trepidation is probably the way I'm feel that that's my mood going into the weekend. I'm, I'm concerned because you look at this Mavericks team uh, still 26th, in offensive rating, uh, according to basketball reference, but 14th in defensive rating. And when you were gone that day and Mitchell filled in for you, when we talked Mavericks, that's less than a month ago, they were bottom five in both of those categories. So to go from bottom five to 14th in three weeks, again, that's, again, there's a small sample size and you're trying to figure everything out, but that means... The Mavericks are playing well. Like they they are playing well enough to be in games, help themselves out enough defensively to make that kind of uh, improvement. And again, there can always be schedule kind of uh, constraints in there. Maybe they had a bunch of really good offensive teams to start the season and worse offensive teams here in the last little stretch. But still, like this is a team that, like you said, is improving. They're doing better as of late, um, and they appear to have their stuff together, which is a scary thing considering they killed the Bucks with their stuff not together. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and like I said, maybe it was that Bucks game that got it together for them, but uh, just kind of a, a scary <clears throat> thing to think about. Um, and you just have to, I think, be very worried about this game because, uh, again, that three-point attempt rate, you, you circle it. It's not at two anymore for the Mavericks. It's at five. Um, but still, that's a team that's going to search out as many threes as possible, um, and they're going to make you kind of defend them out to the three-point line. And obviously that's something the Bucks have struggled with. So we'll see if they can do a better job against that. Um, I'll be very curious to see if they go – Giannis against those Dirk small ball lineups uh, at center because that would kind of be the way not to necessarily stop them but you would hope do better against them defensively and then really take against take advantage of them offensively like if Dirk has to match up against Giannis it's bad news for Dirk and if Dirk has to match up against Chris Middleton who would be at the four in those lineups 
that's bad news once again for Dirk. Like there should be um, an advantage for you there. So we'll see if the Bucks make that adjustment. Uh, and then, like you said, against Utah, just uh, I, I might have trepida- trepidation for Dallas, and I might have total fear for the Utah Jazz because the I think maybe the most down I've felt the last two seasons is the two games in Utah. The one this year and the one last year where Quinn Snyder was just ruthlessly hunting out threes and they were doing everything that they could and Joe Ingles was all over the place making plays, getting hockey assists, getting regular assists, hitting corner threes and just killing the Bucks. and uh, I don't think that's ever a sentence you want to say about Joe Ingles. He's a nice player, don't get me wrong, but if Joe Ingles is killing you, I think you're probably having a rough night. So uh, I think two games to be worried about. You would think uh, when you see these teams, that's two games that you should feel pretty comfortable with, especially at home. But uh, I don't think I can have that confidence this season. So uh, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah, and interesting. I mean, the the Jazz, or sorry, the, the Mavericks are, even with these Dirk lineups at center, the Mavs are second in the league in terms of uh, allowing the fewest rim attempts uh you know league-wide so second in in sort of limiting opponent shots at the rim Mm -hmm. now they are second worst in the field goal percentage that teams shoot at the rim 68 percent so it's sort of a trade-off of quality versus quantity there um but it just sort of tells you how well they've been organized that they can limit shots at the rim you know so basically they can deter you from getting the rim they can't stop you once you get there and obviously you know what we saw from Giannis in the the last time these two teams met he had a very uncharacteristic night not so much in terms of not being able to get to the rim but just he just missed everything around the basket. I don't think he had a dunk in that game, but then he also missed a bunch of bunnies. So yep. hopefully we'll get, um, you know, the correct, uh, <laughs> you know, normal Giannis who's shooting, you know, 70 high seventies at the rim this time around. And hopefully he'll be able to do that a fair bit. And again, hopefully uh, they'll be able to exploit them a little bit much. By the way, the Rockets are killing the jazz in Utah tonight. Um, and Donovan Mitchell for a change is not lighting the world on fire. So that's another variable that uh, certainly the Bucks will hope for on Saturday, that Donovan Mitchell has been great uh, for, for the last month or so uh, of his rookie season, that, that maybe Donovan Mitchell uh, has a bad shooting night. He just hit a three, and they just got a turnover, and now I feel like since Uh-oh. you said Uh-oh. that, I, ju- I jinxed it's, it. it's going to go the opposite way. Like yeah. Mitchell's going to go for another 15 here tonight and end up with like 35. Uh, but we'll see. Uh That is going to be it for us. Uh, We will talk to you probably on Sunday. Um, We can go over both those games. We can talk a little jazz. We can talk a little Mavericks. And hopefully we can talk a little bit about the Bucks winning. Um, At least one of those, if not both. Uh, That would be ideal if we could could see them sneak out of this weekend with, with two wins. That... That would be a very good weekend. So we'll see exactly what happens. We'll be keeping a close eye on it, and I'm sure all of you will be as well. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you on Monday.